coming up next on the Passionately Married podcast. The concept of the tolerance for ambiguity came into bear also during this. And I remember thinking when I first saw this coming up with all my truly thousands of interviews that I had in my research, I was like, no, this is not what I want to happen. I, I don't, I work, even my own life, work so hard at creating certainty that that equals safety <laughs> right. in my life. Don't like, we this all? Is it. Like, yes, we can plan it. We can foresee things. And when it became very clear that the people who were at most peace and grounded in general in their life, but particularly in decision-making, and then even more so at the end of decision-making, were the ones who had a tolerance for ambiguity. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Corey Allen, alongside my wife, Pam. Glad to be here. Each and every week, we explore wisdom and skills of the world's most passionate and vibrant relationship minds. Because there's always a theme here, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about relationship, and it's about living fully alive Mm -hmm. in those relationships. We want to have in-depth conversations that explore topics that every relationship will face, and we're going to offer starters for your conversations or actions that you can take that will move your marriage and your life forward. Uh, If you're new to the show, you want some handy ways to tell your friends about Passionately Married or just to check out what we do, check out the episode starter packs. Uh, You can go to passionatelymarried.net forward slash starter. These are just a collection of our favorite shows organized by topics and some of the popular shows Mm -hmm. organized by topics. And if you got some feedback or something we've missed, let us know. 214-702-9565. You can text us at that number as well. Or as always, you can email us, but it's feedback at passionatelymarried.net. So coming up today on the regular version of Passionately Married podcast is a conversation with Dr. Juliana Hauser, who we have a similar background, and, it, and it was, there was a great overlap in the sense that uh, she and I had a, the, the path of education, uh, the counselor education, okay. and some of the path that I took is the mm-hmm. same thing she took. And so there was immediately um, a, a mind meld in a lot of ways okay. <laughs> with our conversation. I'm assuming that's good. It is. Uh, <laughs> but this is, she, she has been spending uh, two decades talk, talking about and exploring the importance of agency in life. And what does that mean? So agency, this is a this is a thread, and the reason I re, we reached out to find her, um, this is a thread of how do you create, make your own decisions? How do you stand for yourself mm. uh, in the context of the values you live in mm-hmm. and the relationships you want? Uh, we still ha- need to have autonomy mm-hmm. and the ability to stand on your own two feet. That's kind of exact, what you're gonna, that's the exact same phraseology yeah, we, we use. Yes. We proclaim for a long time. Okay, and and so she's been doing a bunch of research on it, and has even come up with. Uh, some five steps to it of, of nice. what it takes okay. to, to really examine um, how are you standing for you? Perfect. And so it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful conversation and it's sorely needed in mm-hmm. our societies. And if I think of uh, our relationships, my relationship at times mm-hmm. to uh, people I work with, um, agency is a, a common thread. Okay. And then on the extended version today, which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, you can subscribe at passionatelymarried.net forward slash academy. Um, we go into a further conversation about the research and the design and how she came about um, what she's built her practice and her platform and her message on. All that's coming up on today's show. Juliana, it's 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 such, such a pleasure to come across people that, uh, and we've got a lot of similar journey, if you will, in the sense of yes. education, background, um, focus, et cetera. And it's so great to come across people that are on the same path. 
Uh, I feel the same way. I'm excited to be able to talk with you today. And, and let's, let's jump right in. Um, you you mm-hmm. seem to have, uh, when, I'm, when I'm learning about you, uh, one, the one word that keeps jumping out is the idea of agency and the importance mm-hmm. of it. And so I, I, to start the conversation today, let's just define it. How, how do you define it in the mm-hmm. sense so that way everybody's got the same language surrounding this? Mm-hmm. So I found that it's really been tricky. I mean, it's taken me 20 years to really come up with what, what feels right for me. And the reason why is because it's several things. It's a noun, it's a verb, it's a concept, and it's a skill. So I've been working on defining it into those four different slots as well. And as a, as a noun, it's, it's a person's ability to be able to predict and to understand that there is a decision to be made. Like it's kind of the self-determination that we need to have. It's mm-hmm. also your ability to to see what outcomes there are likely to come to bear. And third is to respond and react to what actually does happen after you make a decision or you have a choice so that you can learn um, or let go. Okay. And so, I mean, that's what's interesting. So 20 years to help kind of capture what this <laughs> idea means. Uh, I totally understand yes. it because it is one of those things yes. that I, I guess is probably not, unfortunately, as common in the vernacular mm-hmm. and, and the field as needs to be. And then yes. also just out, mm-hmm. uh, out among the world is the idea of what does agency even mean? So yeah. what, is it that make, what would make that such an issue that where it's not just part of the everyday Oh, this is something that's so important, and I was my parents taught me this even. <laughs> yes, well, and, and that's something too that I it began with me really being curious about how make, people make choices and how they make decisions in their life. And when I started asking people about this, what I realized that all of a sudden they couldn't form a sentence. Or like, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I just you just make a decision. I just go with my gut, or I, or they had these answers, but nothing was really, really uniform. And I did think, why aren't we being taught this? And for those of us who are lucky enough to be around people who are making decisions and, and are showing you how they go about this, I realized, oh, this is a skill. And so in the skill, I actually came up with five steps of how to make a decision and how to then have agency in that decision-making process. And what I've discovered is that people who were, were coming to me um, as a therapist most often uh, what I consider the fourth part of the skill of decision making, which is when consequences intended and unintended come to bear. Mm-hmm. And that I, I, another way I'd say it is like it's if you're in a boxing ring, it's it's the swing you didn't see coming that takes you to the mat. Okay. And I wanted to help people to have more agility, to be able to juke to things, to be able to feel okay. And the concept of the tolerance for ambiguity came into bear also during this. And I remember thinking when I first saw this coming up and all my like, truly thousands of interviews that I had in my research, I was like, no, this is not what I want to happen. I, I don't, I work, even my own life, work so hard at creating certainty that that equals safety <laughs> right. in my life. Don't like, we this all? Is it. Like, yes, we can plan it. We can foresee things. And when it became very clear that the people who were at most peace and grounded in general in their life, but particularly in decision-making and then even more so at the end of decision-making were the ones who had a tolerance for ambiguity. And they felt safest because they knew no matter how things uh, happened, they were going to be okay. And I thought, wow, when you meet somebody, some people describe it as comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. Some people describe it as somebody who's very grounded, but it's, it's somebody who understands 
that life is going to swirl, life is going to be unpredictable, uh, and they have themselves. Um, and so that's another way to describe agencies, agencies standing up and showing up for yourself. But then I kind of progress to something else too. And I don't know if you want to speak about that before I go on to an, another point. Let's go. Uh, I mean, we're going, not, but, this is, I mean, this is an agency <laughs> con- conversation, so it should go wherever yes. it goes if we're just going to model it yeah. accurately too. I literally just finished doing a TED talk about this this weekend. So I, I, I'm joking that I'm about to give you my TED talk uh, with it as well. But <laughs> uh, another thing that really became important when you're asking about why should we be doing this? Why should we be looking at agency in our lives and employing it is that there's a lot. You'll hear agency a lot more now. Um, some of it is confusing. It's like a PR agency or government agency. And obviously, I'm not speaking of that. But you'll hear it used synonymously with boundaries or empowerment. Right. And and I want to be clear, my view and my research in agency is that there's there's really an important difference. Okay. Um, that boundaries are a step along the way towards agency and empowerment is after boundaries. But that there's a difference between empowerment and agency that's crucial. And it's this empowerment is individual and that's wonderful. You know you have a voice, it matters, but it ends in its efficacy and in its ability to help you in relationships because agency is relational. Right. Agency requires you to show up for yourself, but to consider the ripple effects and multiple perspectives of others. Empowerment does not. And at some okay. point, uh, your empowerment is going to bump up against somebody else's empowerment, whether it's in your marriage right. Um, or a company or a government, and then you need to figure out how to be relational in that conflict. You need to, to be understanding of how to negotiate your agency next to somebody else's agency. Right. No, and that, I think that's an incredibly powerful distinction because we're talking about um, what comes to my mind, Juliana, is this idea of individuation versus differentiation. Um, to use yeah. the psychobabble terms, I live and breathe every day. Because um, the individuation is that that isolation of I am my own person, at you know, away from everybody else. But when I get into yes. relationships that are pressuring me to conform to whatever it is that's their comfort level or anxiety relief or wishes, then how do I hang on to myself while not losing myself and the relationship? You know, because sometimes we can go, it's easy to be your own person when you're alone in the wilderness. But it, it's, exactly. it's harder to do it when you're in a whole lot of close, deep, intimate relationships. Yes. And uh, how do you do that and keep growing together and mm-hmm. still feeling like you're... So I, I look... I, I, when I work with couples, we work on your individual agency. And then the couple, your that relationship has its own agency. You get to co-create what you mm-hmm. want your relationship to look like and be like. And I don't know if our society really supports a lot of that. And I know it certainly doesn't speak about it in those well, terms. Hollywood, and, Hollywood and Hallmark don't don't speak about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's the illusion no. romanticized. Uh, we are of one brain and mind and emotion all the way through, yes. which no, that's not the truth. So <laughs> That's right. Right. And so we do a lot of teaching. I know you do this in your work too. A lot of teaching of, of relearning then how, how do you relate to others without losing yourself in the process. That's perfect. So I'm going to back up just a little bit, Juliana, to the idea of um, the five things that, that that you speak of. I think it's probably important because the one thing I want uh, listeners to get out of this, if we're talking about trying to be more passionately alive in, in life and in marriage and 
and just parenting. And I mean, it, it fits to everything, right? Mm-hmm. Of the, yeah. the best, the best gift I can give to anybody I care about is a better version of me an improving, you know, powerful version of me, if you will. And then adding mm-hmm. to it the component of in relationship too, not just in isolation. So what mm-hmm. would be the, the concepts that are worth uh, everybody unpacking and understanding as they're on this journey to applying this better in their own life? Yes. So the steps of agency, I think, are really critical too. Um, because when you start doing the skill of agency, you realize that it helps you get to know yourself. And as you get to know yourself, you get to have better agency that's more fine-tuned. And everyone gets to then see the more authentic you, including yourself. And your relationships become richer. So let's let's start with the five steps. The first step is that you know there's a decision to be made. When I was doing my research, again, that sounds so obvious. And I'll, I'll say this too. It's going to, again, sound really insultingly simple. Well, it took you 20 years to come up with this. No, no, this, well, I, I, well, some, people, some people might think that I am absolutely not going to think that just because I really, <laughs> we realized. I did. There are a few times I did. Fair enough. But I think it's, it's this idea is we have this belief now with Passionately Married that uh, the concepts and the ideas we teach are relatively simple, but incredibly difficult to actually do. And that's what exactly, exactly what you're talking yes. about. Yes. And the more you start looking at agency and unpacking your past decisions and experiences, you'll see it. And as you start employing it in your, in your present and future, you'll see that, that it's a lot more complicated. So I, I know you, you get it. So breaking news, our friends at Manscaped are now selling beard products. Love it. Yeah, just in time for Valentine's. It's obviously the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, but now they're revolutionizing men's hygiene game with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Maybe you're like me and you don't like the weird beard, so you know, say goodbye to that stubble trouble. And tame his mane this Valentine's. You can save 20% off and have free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using code PASSION. So over the life of our relationship, the times I have tried to have a beard, um, I'll reach a point where it's uncomfortable for me and I know it can get uncomfortable for you. I, I like you in a beard, but yes, when it gets a little bit too long, it's just, it pokes, it's pokey. Well, it's the, beard, the beard hedger, <laughs> which is the electric beard hair trimmer, is the premium beard sculpting machine. And it's got 20 different levels as far as lengths that you can cut it to keep it tame and keep it under control. And that's with one guard, right? So ladies, it's not this messy drawer with all these right. covers, uh, and different links and stuff. It's just one nice. Plus they add in thing. all the other sculpting tools that are necessary. Yeah. It's waterproof. So we can shave in the shower and avoid all the hair in the sink and the bathroom floor. The titanium coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on his face leading to a single-stroke efficiency. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PASSION at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use our code PASSION. Get the Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. So this is the year that I've decided to finally stop wearing uncomfortable bras. (laughs) Finally, huh? (laughs) Right. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Honey Love has revolutionized the bra game, so you no longer have to deal with uncomfortable underwire without sacrificing support. 
You'll immediately feel and see the difference. Their bras are so comfortable, you won't want to take it off. And see, I don't like that idea. <laughs> I don't like that idea you, one bit. You, you like the bra coming <laughs> off, yes. And eventually we all do. But you don't want to be wearing a bra where all day long you're just hoping you can get home and take the thing off. I love mine. It, you know, Sometimes you get the bras that kind of gap or don't fit right in the cup. These fit great. The straps are comfortable. Both are, you know, around your body and over the shoulder. Uh, super comfortable. You know, it's one of those, they even say, hey, you may not even want to take it off when you get home. You might want to sleep in it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That's a comfortable bra if it's one that you're, you don't mind just falling asleep in it. They have incredible comfort, shapewear, tanks, leggings, and everyday support. They're more than just a bra. For a limited time only, you can have Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with the code SMR at honeylove.com. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com and use the code SMR. So the first thing is, you know, there's, there's a decision to be made. And when I was talking to so many people, and at, at first my research began within the topic of sexuality, and then I started ex- expanding it outside of different, into different contexts. But I kept hearing over and over again, it just happened to me. And not speaking about sexual assault or not think, speaking mm-hmm. about any kind of violence, but just like kind of before I knew it, mm-hmm. there I was, and I didn't even notice that I had, a, there was a point that I could have made a decision. Or... There's multiple decisions and you, you know, quote, pick the wrong one, or you focus on one that seems more evident, but actually the bigger decision was behind it and you avoided it instead of actively hitting it on. So you have to know there's a decision to be made. Mm-hmm. The second is that you feel confident that you're the right person to make the decision, that you can make a decision that's aligned with your purpose and intention, and that this is the right time and place to make it. Okay. Um, and once, you, if you're like, over the age of four, you have experienced agency or the lack thereof, um, and you have experienced what it's like to make a decision and have it not go well. So when you've had that experience, and if you add any years of beyond that, as we, we, we have, we start having this loss of confidence whenever you've experienced, when you feel like you've made a good decision. Yeah. And it's got like you know bad things happening to good people, yeah. or you think you've you've really had lots of forethought. That starts shaking your confidence in yourself. So again, like when you hear you have to feel confident that you can make a good decision, that's that's part of this is not letting when things have been unattended and other decisions shake the belief that you're the right one to be in the driver's seat of your decisions and in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's a skill, as a skill, absolutely, um, to keep that that sacred. Um, and, and to protect it. Uh, and and then third is that you make the decision and you make it actively and you make it th- in a decision that is aligned with your purpose and intention. And so you have to know who you are. You have to know what your purpose and intention is in that experience or in your life or in that relationship in order to make that active decision. This is also so you're not calling seven people and making like decision by a committee, which I, I, I'm a proponent for like, for like mentoring uh-huh. and, and for like getting people's opinion. But in the end, they can't make a decision for you. And um, you need to be the one that's making it. Uh, and then, and also it's indecision is a decision too. And if there's a decision to be made, it's going to be made. And if you choose not to do it, someone else will do it either right. in favor of you or not. Yeah, life on life terms requires something of us. And if we don't, then it still will go on. 
It will. Yes, absolutely. And that doesn't feel good either. Mm -hmm. But again, sometimes what I found is when people had this thing of life happen, it feels at times, because you don't want to feel the pain of that, easier. It's not easier, but it feels like the easier path is just to let it happen. Right. Instead of to kind of make that that risk or that stand and to say, this is what I want or not, or what I don't want anymore. Um, so it's important to be active in that. And I have found that like, in all of my research, it, it almost didn't depend how things turned out um, in someone's choice and decision-making, as long as they felt like they had actually made an active decision with purpose and intention, that that was really the saving healing aspect of it. So it's a crucial step of it. And then fourth, and I said this earlier, this mm-hmm. is often where I see people in my practice is you have to be able to live with the intended and unintended consequences of your choices. Right. And that's about the tolerance for ambiguity. It's about knowing you're going to be okay. It is about not trying to control everything and understanding that that's not safety. Right. Um, and that's, oh gosh, that just, that was a hard <laughs> one for me okay. in my personal life to, to get to that. But once I did, the release and relief that I felt and I see with my clients is truly extraordinary. Right. And that doesn't mean that you don't care. It's not apathy. Right. It is ambiguity, understanding um, the brilliance within that and the movement inside of it. I think of like, I'm, I'm a big football fan. That is when you see someone able to juke, that that's the skill of ambiguity. It's being able to juke in that way. There's it's, Ambiguity isn't just a passiveness. There's also an activeness as a part of it too. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, and on, on the sports mm-hmm. metaphor, the one, that, the one thing when I've heard you talk about this just a minute ago, and then now that comes to my mind is Mike Tyson's phrase of, Everybody has a plan until they get punched, right? And then that thing is out the window because it's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't, oh, this hurt. Hold on. You know, and then all of a sudden everything comes running to the surface on, and this goes back to your other steps. And I think that's probably the beauty and the sophistication of this is it now it's, it's going back to discovering, wait, I'm okay. I, I did make this call. I chose to get in this ring, metaphorically speaking. And okay, I can... I can do this. My train. I can rely on a training. I can rely on a mantra. I can rely on whatever and see it as mm-hmm. this goes through, and I and I'm and I'm okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will be okay, or I can have a support system that's mm-hmm. going to make me okay. And and okay doesn't mean feel good all the time either. Agency <laughs> right. doesn't always feel good. Good point. Um, but you can figure things out mm-hmm. and be resourceful and take care of yourself and find resilience and protection, mm-hmm. which is the fifth step. So the fifth step is you make meaning of all four of these, of the one through four um, steps. And this was actually a, kind of a later add-on in my theory of it that mm-hmm. I realized, and it was pretty exciting when, when, it, when it kind of kept coming up in the data, was that agency allows you to heal in retrospect and protect you in the future. Mm-hmm. And the way that it helps you heal, and that's not, like we've heard like the, the terms toxic positivity and, and looking you know at everything too positively, not you know understanding that, that harm can happen and we need to acknowledge that. But we also look at um, the ability to see silver linings. We look at the ability to see like what, what meaning do we make of what's happened? And when you can go back, to things in the past that are still causing you emotional labor or you're still having a difficulty, a difficult time with, meaning making is the only thing that you have the control and power in at that point um, in the terms of agency. Mm-hmm. And it's potent. So you, Absolutely. Can, you do have the ability to go back and make different meaning of what's happened and who you are and the choices you've made. Have forgiveness for yourself or for other people 
or find different resources or you've grown since the person that was in that situation. What have you learned about life? What have you, what have what other perspectives and skills have you garnered that you can put into that meaning making? And I found that to be quite powerful for people um, as well. And then just finding a balance of like, are you somebody that when something's gone awry or something went well, like, do you make absolute statements? Um, I no longer trust such and such right, or right. look at me like I could do all of this. Like, are you, are you holding staunchly to a, a view or do you have, again, like some agility to it um, and some resiliency? So all five of those steps are what I found to be the skill of agents and that's and, I, and something that you can go to. And I love the idea of the word skill, because I think you're, what you're what you're talking about here is the idea of it's something we learn because when our emotions happen, because this this is tell me if I'm off base with what you're framing here. Um this is the way life goes on life terms in the sense that I can have an idea. I'm going to, I'm going to go out and I'm going to follow this path or I'm going to say yes to this person and see where this relationship mm-hmm. goes or yes to my spouse about something. And we got the best intentions and everything mapped out and we, we've got it all. It's all set. And then something mm-hmm. doesn't go according to plan. And so my immediate reaction from a feelings based overreaction at times can be this idea of I'm never doing that again. But yes. the skill then comes in to realize, wait, that was just a reaction. That that was not an edict that's the determining of never again will we whatever. And that's then right. I can lean back in and see it as, okay, wait, what were the nuances within all of this that life kind of determined by circumstance or not, you know, by intention mm-hmm. or not, that that was not the right time or we went too quick on that or yeah, that we overshot on, you know, I overestimated or my expectation wasn't even realistic or whatever it might've been. Or I didn't have all the information. Um, and, and really when you're enacting agency in a relationship with another human being or multiple humans, it's so unpredictable. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and so we could only make the decision with the information that we have and like, Oh yeah, didn't, didn't see that one or didn't, <laughs> or didn't know that. But yet we'll make some very concrete statements mm-hmm. based on what we did have instead. And that's that to me is is crucial to learn to stop doing that or right. at least to lessen it. Yeah, that's that's the improvement of self-talk. This is one of the things that my wife and I have been uh, incredibly blessed by. And I don't even remember where I got this from. It was from one, a book years and years ago. But whenever I make a mistake or do something that didn't go according to plan, it's real easy to get self-condemning. You know, I'm so stupid. I can't, I, oh, here we go again. I never, you know, and it's that self-talk that's, that's deep down, came from someplace. That's kind of what the therapeutic field is for in a lot of ways of, hey, let's, let's mm-hmm. unwind that and create a better message than whatever it was you were led to believe early on. But just changing the concept of after I do something stupid or my, my wife does this too, it's like, I'm usually smarter than that. And that's, that's what I'll say to myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm oh. usually smarter than that. And that's just kind of a framework of, yep, Mm -hmm. it happened. And yeah, that was stupid, but I'm not going to flog myself (laughs) over, over the, over the top and unnecessarily, but just realize, yeah, that happened and keep it kind of as a neutral, but still have a little bit more of a positive slant. I love that. And that falls into the fifth step, which is the meaning that you make Mm -hmm. of it. Cause that allows you to have room for growth and it helps you to not be afraid of yourself or the next time in it that you're like, okay, I've, all right, now I've learned or I've figured something else out. But when you're self-condemning, 
it starts shaking those one through three mm-hmm. um, quite strongly. Well, this is so vital of a conversation, Juliana, just because I think it is one of those things that when you look across the world and across the states, um, man, we are a reactive societies. Uh, we are uh, non-agency communities at times. And, and in some regards, yeah. that's, that's part of being in a civilized world. Of we do have to connect mm-hmm. and give for the better of the whole. But I think we, what you're describing here is this idea of I can still have agency in my giving for the better of others, yeah. to where I'm not giving in oh. just for the saking of caving to others. I'm giving in for the betterment of all mm-hmm. in some regards. I think yes. that's what makes all of us better. Agreed. And it's so powerful when you can trust somebody's yeses just as much as you can trust their no's. And, and that's a skill you have to learn for yourself as well to give that and, um, and to receive it from others and to be a person that supports other people's agency as well. It's one thing to learn it in your own life. Um, again, that's like the difference between empowerment and, and agency. It's such a gift to, do, to give this and to have a relationship like that, whether it's a marriage or a friendship um, a company, a culture. Mm-hmm. Well, Ju- Juliana, how can people find more about you as we wrap up this segment and jump into the extended content here in just a minute? But how can, if they want more, because I know you've got a lot of good information on this, how can they find you? Sure. I'm on all social media handles as Dr. Juliana Hauser. And then I have a newsletter where I put just its own um, content in it that you can get off of my website at dr-juliana.com. Perfect. And I'll have all that in the show notes so that uh, if you're listening to this, everybody can easily find it. So Juliana, um, man, this has been fun thus far. I'm looking forward to diving in a little bit deeper here in just a second. Thank you so much for having me. It's not at all a shocker to me to think that um, we could actually take just the concept of how do I make a decision and break it down into steps. Yeah, when we when it started out, I was thinking, okay, how's this going to apply to me? And then, I mean, it didn't take long to really... Um, be glaringly obvious. And looking at this, to break down making a decision into, am I confident? Am I confident to make a decision for myself? And then ultimately, in, in the end, what's the meaning behind that decision? Those are some really important yes. things. And realizing that if I don't make the decision for myself, something's going to be made. Someone's still going to make it. <laughs> life on life terms pretty much means... Decisions will get made. You're either a part of it or it's made for you. Right. Right. So how am I handling that? There there really is. I did not expect there to be that much packed into it. Um, I loved it. I loved it. I think there's a lot of real self-evaluation going on there. There is. And what stood out to me was one of the things she discovered in her research was that a, a person's ability to handle ambiguity determines their groundedness, their comfort in their own skin, yeah. their ability to handle life, yeah. um, to be flexible, to pivot, to audible, to do what ne- what's necessary. Because we all can be control freaks and all are in certain aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to all also come to the realization of, I really don't have much control. Right. My ability to respond and adapt is what sees me through right. in a lot of ways. Well, if you like the show, you can help us out by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you listen. Your comments help us spread the words that we try to share and help other couples frame what's going on in their lives and in their relationships. So jump on, leave us a review. If you leave a comment on Apple Podcasts and we use it on the show, uh, you'll get a special gift just from us. Transcripts are also available on each of the show's pages. 
And our advertiser deals and discount codes are also available on each of the episode's pages at passionatelymarried.net. Please consider supporting those who support the show. Greatest compliment you can give us is to share what you learn from any of our episodes with those that you care about. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.